I'm delighted to be joined by children's author Tom Palmer, who's just won the best children's audiobook category for his book D-Day Dog in the first ever Calibre Book Awards this year. And as it happens, Tom has just received the, the award in the post today. So live here, to, we're going to get him to open it um, and unveil it to, for him. So do you want to go and open it, Tom? I do. Thank you very much. And thank you for, for giving us it. So, so I've genuinely, I'm just opening this now. Thank it's you good very time. much. <laughs> and there's a letter and a nice little black box. Which I shall open. He dropped it then. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Brilliant. That's so, fab, uh, isn't Tom's, it? Tom's showing, um, he's got a little uh, award which says Calibre Audio Award 2022 for best children's audio book that we've sent thank him. Thank you ever so much. And it comes in a lovely box. I should show you the lovely sort of box as well. Thank you ever so much. That's lovely. I shall cherish it. I'm really, really um, glad to receive it from you as well. So thank you. Thank oh, you you're very much. welcome. And thank you for joining us. So um, with that really in mind, um, I wondered if we could start off by you giving us a brief teaser of what D-Day Dog's about for those who haven't read it yet. <laughs> so um, it's about a boy now who has a dog called Finn and he's based on my dog, Finn, who is can you see him on the floor there? Oh yeah, we've got a lovely picture of Finn asleep on the on the door yeah. by, by the radiator. <laughs> Finn, Finn's been running. Finn's been running around in the garden um, this morning, so he's having a rest. But um, so it's about a boy called um, Jack who has a dog called Finn, and also his dad is about to go be deployed in Afghanistan in the um, as a reserve soldier. Um, and at school, Jack, um, Jack's doing a project on. Um, on on D-Day and he discovers a story about a parachuting dog called Glenn and it makes him basically it makes him examine um what whether he loves war because at the beginning he does love war or whether he hates it and fears it because his dad's about to go to war and the story of the dog and then a school trip to the Normandy beaches sort of makes him really think about how he feels about war and the attitudes he's always had since he was quite little. So I, I discovered something new when I was reading D-Day Dog. As though I knew animals were used in war, um, I'd never actually heard of dogs being used to parachute into conflict. Indeed. And that kind of made me wonder, is, is it important to you to leave readers with something to think about and hopefully inspire them to discover or question more about it? Yeah, definitely. I think with D-Day Dog, I partly wrote it because I didn't know, because I, I hate war. I think war is appalling and disgusting and the worst thing that can possibly happen. But I know that some people love it. And in the past, as a child, I've been really excited by stories and games and actually playing physically at war. Um, and, and so I'm quite confused as to why I'm excited by it, but I hate it. Um, but also sometimes like, and you could think now, or you can think back to the Nazis in Germany, sometimes is it necessary? To go to war or or to to defend at least and and so i'm very confused about it and i, I wanted to lay out the different views in, in d-day dog as, as to to make us think about war because um we i mean you know this we we are involved in a in a conflict at the moment we're supplying ukraine with um with materials to defend themselves against the russian invasion and um we're we're taking part in that war and, and we have to think about the rights and wrongs of what we choose to do and who we choose to do it with and to. 
that I must say that really comes across in it actually as well. Um, and the book features the true story of a D-Day paratrooper and his dog um, who would train to parachute alongside him. I just wondered how did you come across the story and was it that which inspired the book or did you already have the idea for the book? Um, the, the, genuinely the initial idea came from we got Finn the dog um, and I wanted to do a book about a dog but I knew Finn wasn't kind of no offense Finn but he's not 200 pages worth of, of material um, and but also I've got to think about what I want to write but I've got to think about what people want to read as well because I I can't just write what I want all the time because people might not want to read it so I thought when I knew the 75th anniversary of D-Day was coming up so I genuinely went online and typed in D-Day and dog and that picture of Glenn and Emile that you that is um that is quite seen on the internet quite a lot it was there and I thought this is it this is where the story begins but also in the story um Jack Jack's dad is about to deploy to to fight in the war and um in Afghanistan and um my my friend was in the reserves and he was about to deploy and he had to decide whether to go or not to go and it was a massively emotional time for him and me really as as his friend so it's those things coming together I felt like the um, relationships play a, a really big part in the story and you really get a sense of Jack's um, interactions with those around him, that those interactions are actually helping him um, shape his understanding of the world. Um, I just wanted, again, are relationships and the development of characters important to you when you're plotting out a story? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, when I'm thinking about a story, I try, you, obviously you think, who are my characters? Where is it set? When is it set? So I say setting, and then why do people do things? That's your motivation, and um, all that sort of thing. And but the characters, I always go back to. They don't. I think it's more important to focus on, or equally important, to focus on the relationships between the characters and how people change. Because we change. We, you know, we we meet new people. It changes who we are and 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 how we we think, and that's good. That's really good. My my daughter's eighteen, and. Her teenage years and what she's become interested in has really changed the way I think about a lot of things in the world and that's that it's and I'm I'm evolving as a person for better or for worse because of my relationship with my daughter my friend my wife and all the people in, in the orbit of my life and that's in that's that's what makes a book interesting and realistic I think if a person changes you want to know why and um you want to think is that good or is that bad and it's just really interesting. So relationships are a huge part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I found that. I also found that quite refreshing in in your books because um, I mean I do read a fair amount of children's books myself, um, and quite a lot of the time the the parents particularly are written out of the story so that the kids yeah. can go off on their adventures and not have to get yeah. back to tea sort of thing, you know, <laughs> um, which yeah. is great and they're really enjoyable as well. But it was kind of interesting to have that. Um, viewpoint from the parents like and really integral in the stories as well because really in you know that's that's kind of you get quite the, the adults that shape your life that's where you you get a lot of um yeah. your own responses to the world and and how you grow up and develop too so yeah. I, I really enjoyed that in the stories and we and we like we're all like and like it is like it is good to get rid of the parents in a children's book but most of our lives and not not everybody but most children have at least one parent that, that they're with and that's that's a normal part of life and it's the kind of thing you have to navigate the next the next book I'm writing is about a boy 
who turns vehemently against his father, but we'll come back to him later on. Um, and that's, you. we have to learn like we all reach a point where we look at our parents in a different way and how do you come back from that? How do you, and, and you don't come back from it because you change your relationship with your parent and, and books, books have to address that because book, I read books to grow and learn and become a, not a better person, but try and try and become a better friend or, or whatever, or better understand the world. And, and that very much, especially for young people includes their parents or, or significant adults. Just um, going on to some of the other books you're right, many of your books are actually based around events of World War One and World War Two, and also the sports of football and rugby. Um, and I wondered what drew you to those topics in the first place to write about? With sport, it was that I was very familiar and comfortable with it. So I wasn't confident as a writer, but I drew the confidence from my general half-decent knowledge of football and to an extent rugby so they, they, it was like a scaffolding to give me confidence also I love football and it's dramatic and as much as being a fan as being um as being a player um and then history it's just something I've increasingly and to an extent always been interested in um and really I can't get my head around it I, I can't understand why you would jump out of an airplane with a dog you love and put its life in danger and yours I can't understand why how 300 children could arrive from the concentration camps and come to live in England um, and come here as refugees. I can't get into that headspace at all. So I try to by by learning about it and writing stories about it. So it's not I'm not writing stories to help children understand history. I'm writing them to try and help me understand them initially, definitely. Um, one of your, we're going on to the sports books. Um, you've got a series of books that feature Roy of the Rovers. Now, some of our members will be uh, able to remember um, going back a bit, a comic strip from the 1950s or either the comics themselves of Roy of the Rovers back in the 70s. Um, and actually, I thought it might be interesting for them to hear uh, how it was that you came to write the books for a new generation. Yeah, so Roy, Roy of the Rovers and Rocky, Rocky, his sister, um, Roy was something I read as a comic. I struggled with reading when I was a child and reading magazines like Shoot and Roy the Rovers gave me, started to build my reading stamina. Um, so Roy the Rovers was significant for me as a reader and I'd done some footballs for Puffin and Barrington Stoke. And then, but then I got a phone call from this guy um, in Oxford who was at a publisher called Rebellion and he said, I oh, was looking for an author to write some fiction about Roy of the Rovers, yes. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was just absolutely, and it was like a dream come true. And it's it's lovely because Roy of the Rovers did help and get me into reading. It did help make me a reader. And now I'm writing stories about Roy and even more importantly, Rocky, his sister, who's a character I introduced into it, who has become by far the, the best character I, or the most enjoyable character I've ever written. Here, I love yeah. her. She's really feisty, isn't she? As well, she's a great, great. She's, it looks like she might. I mean, this isn't confirmed yet, but it looks like she will be getting her own spin-off series. So, that's oh, really exciting. <laughs> I pitched it yesterday. We'll see. <laughs> wow. Um, in terms of your your writing, actually, I wondered what what attracted you first of all to becoming a children's author out of anything. I I started off doing adult non-fiction and like 
very unsuccessfully, but I've got one book out about Leeds United Football Club, which is who I support. Um, and um, that I started going into schools with it to talk about being a writer. And it was a way of making a little bit of money by going and doing school visits and nervous of talking to children um, as I was in my 30s. Um, I, I, um, I would ask them what they like to read and they'd say, you know, like Jacqueline Wilson, Anthony Horowitz, and they'd name all these authors and tell me why they like their books. And so I went and read them and I never read children's books when I was a kid. And it was like I was living my childhood reading when, when I was in my mid thirties and I loved it. And I, what I loved about children's books is it's story. It's story, it's characters, it's that's it. Anything else extra is a bonus, but you've got to have a really strong story and characters you really buy into. Whereas a lot of adult fiction is all over the place and quite show offy and annoying um, and clever. Whereas, whereas children's books, if you don't give a good story and, and sympathetic characters, you, you know, you've had it. So I really loved reading them. So then I started writing them, it just happened and it was great. It was really, and it was a really fortunate thing that happened because I found a career. I'd never have made a career as an adult author just because I wasn't enjoying it and I, I didn't feel like it matched my voice, but now I really do. I, I've never stopped reading children's books from, from you know, when my dad first took me down to the library as a kid. Um, and I think some of them are, are as good, if not better, than some of the adult books that I read. Yeah. And I, I also encourage adults to read kids' books because yeah. they're just so enjoyable. Um, and like with yeah. your books, you end up learning something as well quite a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I mean, it's much less of a gamble to read a children's book. Children's books are generally... Like nine times out of ten, you're going to enjoy the read, and it's going to be well written, and it's going to it's going to move as a story. Whereas adult books, half the adult fiction I read just leaves me cold. It's and it's a risk, especially if you're paying for it. It's all right if you go to the library because you can just give up, but if you're paying for a book, you know you 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 want to want to finish it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And listening to you talk there and, and obviously um, reading about you, it's really clear you're a great advocate for reading, writing, libraries and booksellers. Um, and I wondered what either your first book memories were or the first story you remember hearing or just the first book that resonated with you, really. To, to be honest, it wasn't even a book. It was the, the Yorkshire Evening Post um, football pages. So it was reading like the match reports on Leeds and transfer speculation and and all the stuff. And there was a guy who wrote all that called Don Waters. This is 40 years ago. Um, and I just, I read every word he wrote for years. Um, and he was my hero author, but I didn't see myself as a writer, as a reader. I, I said, I hate reading, but I'd still read all the newspapers. I'd read about football. I'd read CFAX, like teletext, which was a precursor of the internet for those who've not heard of it um and um i'd read magazines and then um, that that was that was my that was and for, as for books it didn't really happen till i was in my 20s and that's the thing about reading isn't it it's not just about books i think pe people yeah. say oh no i'm not a reader but then you find they read the newspaper every day and that's you know it is that's absorbing information it's learning it's you know anything yeah. like that um so yeah absolutely um, now, you didn't go straight into writing children's books, and I just wondered how your previous work experiences fed into your ambition to become an author. Um, great, late. So I, once I was into reading, I really loved it. I didn't do very well at school, so 
I was unemployed for a bit in the early 80s. Then I went to night school to do A-levels. Then I went on to do my university degree in Reading, um, doing um, modern European literature in translation. So like German, French, Spanish books, but read, reading them in, in English. And it was brilliant. Um, and then I was completely sold on books. And um, all that period, I was a milkman, sort of helping on a milk round. And that I loved that, but it probably didn't help me. Well, it probably did, but I, I couldn't say how. But um, but then I went to work in, in a bookshop, then another bookshop, and then I worked for libraries, doing reader development in libraries. And then I worked, started to work for charities on national projects, charities like the Reading Agency, Literacy Trust, Book Trust, and gradually got into all that. And that really helped me. I, I definitely don't think it helped me get published. I don't think, I don't think I, I sort of was able to pull any of those levers, but because you can, if you want to get published, the best thing to do is to, to get to know people in publishing and, and or other authors, and you can find an easier path, I think. Um, but for me, it was once I did get published, I knew, I knew what booksellers did and what librarians do and how they like, they, they work so hard for very little money and both both professions generally there's so many people out there so when you're an author and you've you've got a new book out you don't march in and say why isn't my book on the table you go thank you very much for having one copy of my book on the shelf i really appreciate it and if there's anything i can do to help you promote it and so you learn you learn the field that you're working in rather than benefiting from contacts um, but it definitely helped me because i when i was a bookseller authors used to come in and you'd, you'd have the ones that you really wanted to help who well you know where approached you and said what can i do to help can, can we do this together and you would get ones who'd come in who who were full of themselves because they were an author but so what <laughs> anyway sorry i probably went no, sorry far. i am um, i can um i'm very familiar um with what you're saying because I, I used to be a librarian in my local library service and actually was a reader development librarian so did a lot of events, yeah. talks with authors yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's you get the odd one. I mean most most authors are great aren't they but you get, you, get, yeah. you get the odd one and you think oh dear I could tell you some right stories but I won't that's another interview maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> um one of the things I was interested to read about actually um and I know will resonate with our members um is that you actually did some audio recording, didn't you, when you were at Leeds yeah. University? Is that right? Do you yeah, speak to my, a bit about that? Yeah, my first job while I was at night school, which I didn't mention, I should have mentioned that, um, um, was, so I went, I finished, I was unemployed for a couple of years, then I got a job on a, it wasn't a YTS, it was a, a bit like a YTS, but slightly later than YTS, and it was, um, which was youth training scheme. Or, basically, it was like you'd get placed into a job the government would pay your wages to get to get people off the dole and and support other businesses or whatever and i was at the the reading recording center for the blind at um leeds university and so students used to blind students or, or visually impaired students used to um or come in and ask for um specific books they needed from computer textbooks to Emil Zola novels, um, and they used to, they used, and we used to read them. But we used to, we'd read them. But volunteers would come in and we'd monitor the readers and we'd listen to them and correct the odd thing and then do track changes because back then it was actual audio cassettes, physical cassettes, um, and I used to do that, and that was brilliant. Um, 
because some I mean so, so sometimes I did get to read a whole novel like out loud and I definitely think that helped me because you learn I mean you you learn how to read a book by you learn how to write by reading other authors books but to actually read a whole novel aloud and you 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 go into it in much more depth and into the the sound and the cadence of it all and that's I, I thought that was really useful and it was great and it was just lovely to it was lovely that people wanted books and that we were getting them for them and they'd come in and they'd be really grateful it was just a really nice little community we had there Nice. Oh, and it's not as you know it's great um just to make books accessible for everybody anyway but also with yeah. listening to audio regardless um you you get you if you read a book you get one thing from it but actually listening to it you you yeah. often get other things don't you because of the way you're hearing it and the characters come to life and and that's so i i used to not want to read audio books but in the last year i've been doing more driving for various reasons and then um, I've listened to several books on on audio now, and um, it's brilliant. And you're right; you take it in, and you can just you can just go back and listen to it again. And I just I've really it's an important part of my um, my literary diet now. Audio books. Oh, brilliant! Thank you for sharing that. Um, just to learn to go on to a question, just to learn a bit about uh, more about your reading interests, really. Um, I just wondered, so if you could invite any authors or literary characters to dinner, who would they be and why? Right. Right. So there would be author, authors, there would be, um, there'd be, in fact, because I talk about these a lot in school events, um, Emily Bronte, um, who wrote Wuthering Heights. She used to live about eight miles that way up the road. Um, couple of hundred years ago or a bit less and um, I just I just love what I've heard about her and, and I love the characters in her books and I love the fact that she made me I didn't think you could be an author from Yorkshire I thought you had to be from London and then I read this and she was from Yorkshire and she was an author and she made me believe that I could be an author and she like she really you know she had to go through all sorts of hoops to become an author um, and she was really determined and so she inspired me and so i'd love to i don't know what she'd make of me but I'd, I'd love to get to get to know her and then rosemary sutcliffe who wrote like loads of children's historical novels i just when if i'm writing like i'm i really try hard to get my historical facts right and i've got that from her because you feel like you're in roman times or viking times or whatever when you're reading a rosemary sutcliffe novel I just like to talk to her about history, and the other one's Samuel Beckett, um, who has connections with Reading, doesn't he? Um, um, he, um, I loved his books early on, like his novels, and um, but I know he was really into football and cricket. He played; he was the only Nobel Prize-winning author who has played first-class cricket. Um, so, what well, we'd have a meal and then we'd go and play cricket in the back garden. I didn't know that about him. Yeah, he's the only he's the only one. He played for, um, I think, Trinity College, Dublin, and that was a first class, classed as a first class team. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And he won the, the what do you call it, the French, um, the medal of the medal to do with being in the resistance and really brave during the Second World War, because he was in the resistance in the Second World War. Legend. I just like yeah. such a, and also like quite. I would imagine it'd be quite a good laugh after a few. Courses. Well, if you've got another um, seat at your table, I wouldn't mind an invite to that either. Yeah, yeah. Join <laughs> us. 
Um, now on to um, kind of what's what's happening soon. Um, I don't know if you can tell us a bit about this, but you have got a book coming out in August called Resist. And I wondered if you could just give us a sneak sort of taster of what that might be about. Yes, I, I'm allowed to talk about it now, which is good. Um, so it's called Resist. Um, it's published by Barrington Stoke. And it's about um, it's about a girl, 15 year old girl during the Second World War. Um, who is in the resistance in Holland? It's about occupied Holland during the Second World War, and she's she's naturally she's a dancer. She's quite shy, but because of what is done to members of her family by the Nazis, including murder and enslavement, and um, she begins to take part in activities for the resistance. And it's a really incredible story about a very brave girl who. Um, grows up to become Audrey Hepburn. It's the true story of Audrey Hepburn's um, childhood based on the biographies and, and not that many things she said, but she said enough to, to build a story. She was quite reluctant to go on about it, um, but she was really brave. And so it's a story about um, Audrey Hepburn as a child in the resistance. And it, it, I suppose it also it's a story of the Dutch experience in the Second World War, because we hear a lot about um, various experiences, like particularly France and the resistance, but the Dutch were absolutely treated horrendously, and and like all the food was just stripped and taken to Germany, um, and many Dutch people starved to death. Audrey Hepburn was like in a, in a case of massive malnutrition towards the end of the war. So it's it's that story. Yeah. Well, that's enough for me to read it straight away because I know nothing about the Dutch resistance in the war. And also, I, I only know Audrey Hepburn as an actress. So I never knew yeah. that, that she had the background like that. So, it's yeah, amazing. And like, and like, I didn't know either until I did a bit of research, and boom, it's just amazing. Fab. I look forward to that one then. Um, so, you obviously get asked an awful lot of questions in your line of work, um, some of which I'm sure are pretty similar. So, with that in mind, um, I just wondered what question you'd have liked to have been asked by me. So, whether that's um, either about you or your writing or anything else, anything at all. So, but, well, first of all, your questions have been brilliant and quite different, actually, and and very well informed as well. So, it's like, it's like really, it's been a lovely interview. So, I wouldn't, there's no need for a, um, for, another question but I'll answer it I'll answer it anyway um I, I suppose like like there's so my books are about football and rugby and war and and all that but I I think that they're about dads a lot so like I've had three dads and I am a dad and dads are like how to be a dad and all that is is my sort of thing and looking back at all my like the fair like after the war like um the foul play series um, is about this boy called Danny and his dad who is blind and um, and that was inspired by the work I used to do for the for the RNIB and um, and I'd quite I'd love to talk about that one day about like dads in my stories because I had three dads very different dads and I've, I've seen what different dads can be like and I'm a dad and I'd quite like to talk about dads running through my stories but yeah it would take take about a day. Oh. <laughs> Well, well, maybe we'll book you in for that one next time then. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> well, I think that's a great place to finish, Tom. So um, I hope this has encouraged our members of all ages, actually, to go and discover your books for themselves, because um, they're an absolute great read. I'd actually really recommend yeah. Arctic Star, because I think that struck me when reading it. It would really appeal to both, you know, children's and adults alike. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that one, too. 
Um, so it's just for me to say a really big thank you to you for taking the time thank to you. join us today and also for letting us share the opening of your award, which yeah. is lovely thank and you. great timing. <laughs> it is. I'm thrilled. Thank you ever so much. It means it's, a lot. No, thank, thank you. you. I'm, I'm so pleased. Um, and just yeah. the work you do, it's, it's ace. So thank you. Brilliant. No, thank you. And um, yeah, just good luck with uh, all of your future projects too. Um, and hopefully maybe speak to you again sometime. I'd love to. Thank you. And all the best. See you later.